Hey, peoples, I am so excited. You know what space this is. This is She Looks Like Me. I am very excited for today's guest. She and I met in the Buckhead Club, actually, in Atlanta. It was during a Power Hour event. Everyone had to introduce themselves and give a little quick elevator pitch. And she said, I help clients navigate anxiety, depression, and other illnesses without the use of prescription drugs. And I said, wait a minute, baby, because they stay throwing prescription drugs at us for our different challenges and things that we're going through in life. And you know me, if I spot a black woman in a room, you know, I'm going to talk to her. So (laughs) I was like, let me meet her. And I was so excited to meet Dr. Candace Holmes. We have had several conversations since then. And I am just, I'm so grateful to have met her. And I'm so excited. She agreed to be on the podcast today. So good morning, Dr. Holmes. Good morning. Thank you so much for having me. Thank you. I'm so excited. I'm excited for our conversation today because the reality that you cannot pour from an empty cup is very real. Advocating for yourself is a journey and moving past limiting beliefs is equally a journey. Absolutely. So before we get into our conversation, I would love to hear what's bringing you joy these days. I have two daughters. They are two years apart, but they're only one year apart academically. So I have a senior who's graduating in May and then my youngest decided to graduate early. So she'll be graduating in December. I love it. So does that mean you're going to be an empty nester now? Well, okay. So the one that's graduating, the youngest one is graduating in December. We met with my cousins a couple of weeks ago who are both in college. One's at Morehouse and one's at Spelman. And they both were encouraging her to start in the fall, not to start in January. You know, so I'm like, good. That's what I've been telling her. But sometimes you know, other people have to say the same thing for it to sink into them. So she's going to have a semester off while she, you know, she's already working and doing her thing. She has a business. She's just going to continue being her fabulous self. Not totally an empty nester, but definitely one will be out of the nest. I really want to talk about because I don't know if I've heard of the phrase neurofeedback prior to meeting you. So I'd love to know a little bit about if you could explain for us, for those who don't know anything about neurofeedback, exactly what it is and how you got into the practice. Neurofeedback therapy is a sophisticated form of biofeedback. What it does is the first part is to see how your brain is functioning. From there, a protocol comes out and the whole goal is to retrain your brain so that you no longer experience the symptoms of anxiety, depression, ADHD, PTSD, memory loss, traumatic brain injuries, good Lord, insomnia. The list is so extensive. Everything begins in the brain. My oldest daughter was diagnosed with ADHD when she was seven years old. Like I said, her younger sister is gifted and accelerated. So I literally had yin and yang. And for six years, just suffered with her. It was taking about five hours a night to do homework. She was struggling in school. She was not focused, lacked attention, was getting in trouble. The phone was ringing off the hook almost every school day. She was socially awkward on top of that. So didn't have a lot of friends. It was just an absolute just nightmare. She has such a strong work ethic. She did not want to go to bed before her homework was completed, but it was midnight. I'm like, sweetie, you have to go to bed. She said, but I'm not finished. I said, yes, but you have to sleep because you have school tomorrow. So it was, it was a struggle. One day, uh, my doctor's in chiropractic. So one day I was going through my chiropractic, one of our magazines, and there was an advertisement that said, drug-free, non-invasive therapy with results that can last up to 30 years. It had ADHD, anxiety, depression. I'm like, what is that? That's how I came to find out. BrainCore is co-founded by one of my former professors. He was looking for a solution for his nephew who has autism. That's how I got into it. I got trained on it, bought the system. Honestly, just for my daughter, I didn't really care about anyone else. She was my focus. That's the truth. And she had such a great transformation that I wanted to share it with others. I mean, she takes about two and a half to three hours a night to do homework now. 
She took honors physics last year, got an A in that, and I didn't have to help her, which is like, whoo, physics was, mm, yeah, not my strong suit. And she, you know, handled that on her own, which is major. She tried it for the step team and made the step team, tried it for the softball team, made the softball team, social butterfly. And then just um, seeing the confidence she had, that was uh, empowering for me. My mother-in-law, I'm divorced, but my mother-in-law called me up one day and said, well, she's just blossomed into herself, hasn't she? I said, yes, she has. I said, thank you, God, and thank you, Neurofeedback, because that's the only thing that changed. I was thinking how many other people out there suffering needlessly, you know, think that they have to turn to medication to help. And there are other options, but most people don't know about them. I guess the less prescriptive options aren't as widely popular as obviously go to the doctor and get on some medication. Medicines have a place. You know, I, I say this hopefully not in my body, my patients or my children's bodies. Absolutely. No, I completely agree. And so what does the work look like with your clients? Like if somebody's listening and they're like, oh, I don't know about the neurofeedback, is there a process for self-identification or how do you say this person is a good candidate for neurofeedback? So you don't have to have a diagnosis in order to benefit from this therapy. I have some parents who don't want their children labeled. I was actually one of those parents. As a parent, you know when your child is a bit behind in some areas or they're not as agreeable, like on play dates and things like that. You have adults who are undiagnosed, having struggles at work where they're not able to complete tasks in a certain amount of time. They, they can't focus. I had one patient who was only sleeping two hours a night. It ranges the gamut. It's just knowing that there are other people who are functioning better than you are. So something is, is amiss. When my daughter was diagnosed with ADHD, I was in denial. You know, in our community, there is no such thing as ADHD. There's, you know, you need to have more discipline. You know, you know what are you doing with, or not doing with your child? Well, I'm Catholic. I grew up in a Catholic household. I went to Catholic school from first to eighth grade. So there was discipline. There were nuns, you know, rulers and everything else. I am a strict disciplinarian and it, it wasn't helping. It wasn't until I um, was a substitute teacher here in Atlanta for a few years that some of those educators, most of those educators, all the educators, said to me, your daughter can't help that. She can't help having ADHD. And I'm like, well, yes, she can. No, she can. I said, yes, she can. No, she can. I'm like, whatever. You know, so after doing more research, I found out there typically is a hereditary component. And so I asked my family, you know, you, 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 you. And they're like, no, 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 no. They runs a gamut. But some people come to me with diagnoses. Some come to me with knowing that something is amiss. So my youngest patient I work with is five years old. My oldest at this time is 83. So it is a wide range of ages and experiences. Some have had traumas and abuses stemming from childhood. I'd say 80% of my patient base have had some kind of abuse that contributed to what they're experiencing as adults or teenagers. And that's actually a great segue into my next question, because I was going to ask you, where do most of our issues stem from? I know when we did our kind of pre-chat, we talked about things starting in the mind, but also there are traumatic events and just these kind of flagship moments that happen in your life that stick with you. And, you know, when there's a pattern of that, then it kind of Perpetuate. So where do some of these, you know, anxiety, depression, where are they stemming from? Typically, there is a hereditary component. Um, environment plays a huge factor. I had a patient just this morning who is an adult. And um, when I have a consultation with someone, I ask about, you know, do you have any abuses or traumas, you know, childhood? And most of them say no. Well, this particular person said no. And she told me today in person, I just wanted to let you know, my husband physically abused me. And he said that I could tell you. And I was a little bit concerned because I'm like, he said that he could tell, you know, that you could tell me. So, but she further explained that he understands that his childhood was very dysfunctional and he was just continuing the cycle. She's like, no, that's not what we're showing our children. That's not what we're doing. So 
thankfully he's in therapy, she's in therapy. But a lot of people either didn't have access to therapy. To be honest, years ago, we didn't go to therapy. You know, you went to therapy if you're crazy. So I'm just so thankful that now in, in 2022 and a, and a little bit before this, people are more open to looking at their mental health and making sure that that is a part of their healthcare regimen. For too long, people suffered in silence. And if you said you had anxiety or depression, people would look at you, you know, like, you know, you know, what's wrong with them? Or, you know, just get over it is a popular thing. Well, just get over it. You know, well, it's, you'd be happy. It's deeper than that. Trust me, if anyone can just flick a switch and um, turn on that that happy gene or whatever you want to call it, the happy presence, they would do that. But it's, it's much deeper than that. There are chemical imbalances in the brain. Uh, nutrition plays a part. A lot of people have poor nutrition habits as well. There are so many different factors. Hormones. Goodness, <laughs> like it's, it, it's, it is different layers, it's like an onion. You have to peel it back and see where to begin. But some people, I have to refer them out to an endocrinologist or a naturopath to see where the hormone levels are because that affects how your brain is going to respond. I don't want you starting off at a deficit already and not knowing there's a deficit, you know, expecting changes that won't happen until that component has been addressed. I don't think I knew until maybe in the last year or so that part of it could be hereditary that some of it is genetics. Because, you know, we know, obviously, we kind of tend to play out what we saw in childhood, but even sometimes genetically, you know, too, it's like Mm -hmm. maybe even if you didn't grow up with certain figures in your life, like they could have still passed stuff down to you. You know, it's part how you grew up in the environment, but also it could very well be just your DNA. I've had so many parents who have they're in there with their children. We're doing the consultation or we're talking a little bit further. And they're like, oh, wait a minute. I ha- I do that. Oh, oh, I, oh, I do that too. Hmm. Oh, yeah. so it's like, they're like, ding, 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 ding. You see it in your child, but you don't see it in yourself. You know, but after the questions come out and you dig a little deeper, like, oh. And I actually had one mom said, I'm so sorry. I did not realize, you know, that I, I passed this on to you. You know, the anxiety. I call it a come to Jesus moment where you're like, wait a minute. And at the same time, I'm thankful that they had that moment because that's where the healing can begin. Speaking, you know, just having a come to Jesus moment, I think, especially for Black women, for us, sometimes we tend to put everybody before ourselves. And some people enjoy it. I don't. The idea that they are superwoman. And for me, I am all about debunking this whole superwoman myth. And so, I wanted to talk to you a little bit about how to put that cape down, right? Because I think even in our healing journeys, we have a tendency of having some resistance to that, still trying to do everything and be everything to everybody. I think you and I talked a little bit about just the beauty and blessing of being imperfect and flawed. Perfectly imperfect. I just want to hear about that for you and just maybe in some of your patients, what that looks like. The tendency for women especially is to take care of others before we take care of ourselves. That's the whole, you can't pour from an empty cup. My best friend, I remember when she first got married, she traveled a lot. She works at the CDC. She, on the weekend, would make these mama meals, is what I call them. You know, like Thanksgiving, like she has the greens, she has the macaroni and cheese, she has the potato salad. She, and I'm just like, roast. And I, I said, what are you doing? She said, well, I'm just making the, the meals for the week. I said, um, your husband's there. He can figure out the meals while you're gone. I said, don't start something you can't finish. She's like, I know, I know, but it, she, I know, I know, but. I know, I know, but continue to do that. Continue to do that. And I said, I just don't understand why you're having all this hard work for yourself. I said, you know, your husband knew how to feed himself before you all got married and he can feed your children and himself. If nothing else, go buy something. She didn't hear me until probably about two years into the marriage. She's like, oh my gosh, I'm so sick of doing this and doing that. And I said, "Mm mm-hmm. This is before pandemic now. I would always say, 
put your mask on first. She's like, what are you talking about? I said, so you know how you're on the airplane and they're going through, you know, the exits and all that. And, and they talk about, you know, if the cabin loses pressure, you'll have the little mask that comes down, you know, put your mask on first before assisting others. I always thought, wait a minute, I'm going to take care of my kids first. What do you mean? Someone said, how are you going to take care of them if you're passed out on the ground? They're going to look at you like, mommy? And then that's when the aha, like, oh, so I have to make sure I'm okay so I can make sure they're okay. One part of my journey is I used to do boot camp three days a week. The class was 7.15 in the morning. That was the only time I could get in. I knew if I tried to go after work, that was just not even happening. So I was going, I was going, you know, I was getting fit. I was, you know, getting stronger. I was losing the weight and I was determined to get rid of those extra pounds. And everyone needs at least seven hours of sleep to be functioning to, for your body to repair itself and replenish all those reasons you can think of that happens while you're sleeping. You need at least seven hours of consistent sleep to do that. I wasn't getting my seven hours. I was exhausted. And I had an aha moment, like, wait a minute, I need to just let go of this membership. I said, I can do some yoga or something on YouTube. I go walking during the week. I can do some other things that will help me so that I can sleep. Because again, if I'm running on fumes, how am I able to help anyone else? That was part of my journey. And that's what I encourage my patients to do. Just make sure that you're going outside, you know, even with the craziness of the past two years, 30 to 45 minutes, three times a week. That's not a lot of time. I mean, you spend most of that time, you spend more than that on Facebook. Getting outside and getting the vitamin D, the vitamin D is essential for positive and strong mental health. Be able to listen to the birds and feel the wind, smell the flowers. You know, I had a, one patient who's like, oh, I'm just gonna take my kids with me. I said, okay, so you can go around your neighborhood once with your kids. Then you drop them with your husband and you walk around on your own and hear and feel and de-stress, you know, because I mean, good Lord, just taking care of kids while you're walking around. When my children were younger, I would take them to the park often just for these same things because, you know, when I grew up, we played. So I want to make sure my children played. I was so excited when they finally got to the age where I could leave them, you know, at the playground so I could go walking around. They said, Mommy, can we go with you? Once, you go around with me once because girls, they, they talk, they talk, they talk. I'm like, I don't want to talk all the time. I just want to, oh, you know, so... So, yes, we as women, especially black women, we, we just try to do too much. Self-care is now the popular phrase. It is essential. It's not a, a thing that you should do. It's a requirement that you should think about doing. It's definitely something that you should do. Let me let me make sure I make that clear. Too many of us are holding in everything. And that's another thing, too. We hold on to negativity. We hold on to our emotions. We don't tell people. We don't speak up. We don't use our voices. As a result, all that uh, stress and anger and bitterness eats you alive from the inside out. And then that affects your mental status. So it's a loop. So if nothing else, make sure that you're getting all those stresses out, you know, decompressing. I remember I read a book and it was saying, you know, even if you just pull up in your car and you sit in your car for 10 minutes and just breathe deeply, you know, just have positive thoughts before going into the house, that makes a big difference in your day. We have to make sure that we uh, change the narrative and teach our children to male, female, doesn't matter, that their self-care is important and to integrate into your day. I have to put it on my schedule, walk from this time to this time, yoga, this time to this time, because if it's not on my schedule, guess what? I'll fill it up with things that don't necessarily need to be there. Um, I work on my business, which is great. And at the same time, again, don't want to run my business on fumes. Don't want to help people on fumes. So replenishing your spirit is so important. So the first thought is about your friend who was making these big meals, okay? When you were talking, it made me think about something my grandma always says, which is you better start out how you're going to hold out. Same thing. Don't start something you can't finish. Exactly. She's like, don't set a precedent that you're not prepared to keep up. And if you don't want to cook for that man seven days a week, don't start cooking for that man seven days a week when you meet him. Before we got married, I said one of the requirements I always made sure was that the man had lived on his own prior to. So he can't say, I don't know how to cook. I don't know how to do laundry. Mm, no, 
you were able to have clean clothes and food in your mouth before you met me. So don't act like since we, we signed this marriage certificate and said, I do, you have no recollection of that. No, Mm-mm. partnership. Absolutely. My second thought was when you talked about pulling up into the driveway or pulling up at home and uh, just taking that breath. I was actually telling somebody just yesterday that you have moments that stick with you. And one of the moments that sticks with me is when I went to Oprah's The Life You Want tour. Yama Van Zantz shared that in some languages, the word for breath and God are the same word. So that when we have a tendency to get anxious, what do we do? We stop breathing. It kind of equates to your disconnection with God. And, you know, if you just take that moment to recenter yourself and breathe and reconnect, that a lot of times we can work ourselves off the ledge. And I was like, wow, that's crazy. (laughs) Something so simple. Absolutely. So I know for me, I don't necessarily think I identified as a superwoman. I definitely felt like somebody who, you know, super independent, hyper, almost toxically independent. There's nothing I can't do. I could take care of everybody, take care of everything. Then life just kept coming at me, kept throwing these moments at me that just made me feel very weak. And I was just like, this narrative of like super strong, super independent, like it's not working for me because I'm actually not feeling strong. And and I don't want to be independent at this point. I need some dependence on my people, on my network. So how does one go about redefining their identity on the other side of saying, you know what, this superwoman thing ain't working for me. Unfortunately, a lot of us have to reach that breaking point before we realize that, oh, wait a minute, I'm I'm burning myself out. Unless someone who loves you can communicate that to you in a way that you will receive it. Last year, I, so I have a word of the year. And last year in December, I realized that I wasn't resting enough. And so I added that as my word of the year this year. So like yesterday, I was supposed to meet with two people. One patient had to reschedule and then I was meeting with a new chiropractor. You know, I'm trying to do my best to reach back and help someone else and give her the lowdown of everything that I wish someone would have told me. And she wasn't able to make it. And so now I have two hours there and I'm like, guess what? I'm going walking. I took off my dress clothes because I was going to meet her at a club, social club, excuse me, let me just say that, club. And then put my workout gear on. I'm like, okay, you know, make a few calls before I go because, you know, you do the most important things first. And then I went walking. I only had one hour to do the walking. Usually takes me about two or one and a half, two hours. But I was like, you know what? At least I got my heart rate up and I use my time wisely. But recognizing that you are important, your physical health, your mental health matter. So making sure that you make time for you. Because it's like I, I was telling my best friend, I remember she was when she was dating, she said, you know, I'm meeting the same kind of guy, you know, over and over again. I said, you know why you meet the same kind of guy? Because you're attracting the same guy because you haven't changed. So once you get clear on what you want, you only attract those people that you want. She was telling me about this new guy she met in church, which was one of her requirements that he had a relationship with God. And she's going over all his attributes and everything. And I'm like, OK, she said, but I'm like, okay, what's the butt? What are the butts? You know, she said, well, he's shorter than I am. My best friend's 4'11". I said, is he taller than you? Yes. Okay. And then um, he's younger than I am. Okay. So you are holding him accountable for two things that he cannot control. He takes off 80% of your list, but these two things you're going to say, eh, no. You know, I said, so I said, you have to recognize a blessing when you see it. You know, so, so many times we don't recognize until it's gone. So being aware and, and making the most of those moments, I think are, are key. My whole thing is I choose to live my life without regrets. I'm going to eat the cake. I'm going to go on that trip. If someone says, hey, spontaneously, let's go somewhere. Yes, let's go. I don't know if you've read uh, Shonda Rhimes' The Year of Yes. That was a great read. Why not say yes? Why not try something new? So many people are just stuck in, you know, it'll always be this way and they don't have hope. Everything can always change in the blink of an eye, positive or negatively. You know, just being prepared and being 
full in yourself so that when those moments come, you're able to respond instead of react. That's another thing that I had to learn too. And that comes with that breath. When I was taking my national board for chiropractic, that's one of the things that we were taught in our review course, breathe, because you can get so much in your head. I mean, that, that test lasts eight hours. It's, it's an all day test. And I remember um, it was on Scantron back in the day. So you're to go around to each room and there's a card and you read what it is they want you to perform. And then you go in the room, you perform it, you come out, you go to the next one, you go all the way around. They said, make sure you are on track with your Scantron because, you know, you miss one level, you double up, your whole Scantron is shot. I mean, you raise your hand if you have a problem. So I got around and I got to this room and I read the card and I was like, I was like, oh my gosh, I've already done this. This is one thing in my head. I was like, ha, ha, ha. I was like, so I raised my hand. And the woman came over and I said, I've already had this card. You know, I'm thinking I messed up. She said, yes, you're finished, doctor. And I went, oh, okay. Woo, you know, I thought I I messed up royally. I'm like all the time and money invested, you know, and I just blew it. And I just took a breath and I said, raise your hand. I said, raise your hand. So I raised my hand and, and it was fine. Everything was okay. But I was about to put myself in panic mode unnecessarily. That's it for me. Just breathing and being present. Absolutely. And so you touched on something because we we talked about limiting beliefs. And like you said, the feeling that it'll always be this way. Things aren't going to get better. This is just how life goes for me. Listen, begrudgingly so, my network has been not flipped upside down, but definitely God done shook the tree. Okay. And all the bad apples have fallen away. And I can't tell you, and I'm sure you know, because you probably had moments, seasons in your life like this, where it has made all the difference to have certain people disconnect from me. And in some cases, I disconnected from some people because I realized that so many of my limiting beliefs, like some of my fear, some of my anxiety, it hasn't been mine. And so we talked about having a conversation of dream killers and how they play into our limiting beliefs and how absolutely whack that is. <laughs> absolutely. <laughs> I wanted to touch on the subject of dream killers, limiting beliefs. And I think obviously, as you and I both know, like bringing our awareness into a space where we can identify who they are is step nice. number one. So how do you identify a dream killer? One thing that really uh, surprised me, I remember years ago, Spike Lee was talking about dream killers and said dream killers typically are those that are closest to you. So your family members, your significant other, your spouse, they can be the biggest dream killers. I'm so thankful that I grew up in a household where if I said, you know, hey, you know, I want to do this. My parents like, go do that. But you have other people, you know, why you want to start your own business? Why don't you just want to have a nine to five? Why don't you want to have job security? Most of the times, nine out of 10 times, the people that are giving you advice aren't even qualified to give you advice. They are giving you the fears that they have. When you hear fear, most people think, you know, this stands for false evidence appearing real, right? But Zig Ziglar said that if you say fear everything and run or face everything and rise. So how do you choose? I choose face everything and rise. There's an expression, be comfortable being uncomfortable. So the significant others, spouses, family, there's a fear. And then there's a self-doubt, the imposter syndrome. You know, well, I don't know. I don't have as much as this person. I don't know as much. I don't have this degree. I don't have that. I remember I was looking into getting another certification and my coach was like, why are you doing that? I said, well, you know, and I gave her all these reasons. She said, you're a doctor. You've done the highest that can be done. Nobody cares about those letters after your name. They just want to know that you can help them. Why are you, you know, it was imposter syndrome. You know, there is another person and another doctor who does what I do. And I'm like, well, I need to have, you know, what he has. And then I remember being in a seminar and the person was saying, nobody does what you do, how you do it. That particular person, first of all, isn't a female. 
isn't a, a minority, isn't a mom, doesn't have the experiences that I've had. So there are so many people out there who, yes, you know, I'm a single mom. Yes, I'm a woman. When you're a, a Caucasian male, life is totally different from a minority female. Recognizing that you were blessed with gifts, talents, and abilities and expertise that other people don't have. Knowing that and having confidence in that as opposed to thinking of yourself as being in a deficit. And that, again, begins in the mind, you know, your support system. So I'm thankful that I had that where I can do and be and, you know, go and do whatever I wanted to do. But a lot of people didn't grow up that way. So recognizing those dream killers and then what to do about them, how to eliminate them. I'll share what I do. I have a morning routine. As soon as my eyes pop up, open, I'm thinking, you know, thank you, Lord. I do what's called the victory pose. You know how those gymnasts come off and they go, (laughs) <laughs> so I do that in the bed and I, I say, I got the victory in Jesus. Thank you, Lord, for waking me up today. I have a 15 second visualization of everything that I would like to have happen that day. And then I go into, I wake up and I pray, you know, get off the bed and I pray. And then I do what's called scripting. Scripting is not mine. Joyce, Dr. Joyce Reynolds is the one who came up with that. But I consider it to be journaling and prayer together. There's a beautiful book that I have. In it, I write, you know, every day. First, I write my word of the year and my supporting words. And I say, you know, thank you, God, for waking me up today. And I write everything as if it's already happened. You know, thank you, Lord, that I get to help 10 people today or that I give a kind word or it can run the gamut. Thank you that my daughter's got full scholarships to college and they graduate with multiple debt-free degrees. That's something I've been putting out there lately. I realize on the days that I don't follow my morning routine, sometimes things don't go so well it's because you didn't start off in a positive light. Most people get out of bed. Oh, I got to do this. I got to do that. I did, 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 you know, negative, 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 negative. If the sun is not today, oh, you know, it's going to be an awful day. Mm, I remember I, uh, one of the DJs here calls it liquid sunshine. I'm like, liquid sunshine. How do you think the trees and the, and the flowers and the plants grow? They need that water. You know, we can't have sunshine all the time and that's okay. That's okay. Liquid sunshine. The last thing I do is make sure that I forgive. Without it, you hold a lot of bitterness in your heart. Forgiveness is more for you than it is for the person. I know people have heard this before, but typically the hardest person to forgive is yourself. That was the thing that I, I had to learn. I was coming out of a church one day when I was on a college campus and something happened that shouldn't have happened. And the person that did it just happened to be walking towards me on campus that day. And I went up to him. You could see him, you know, like, oh gosh, you know, I said, I just want you to know that I forgive you for what you did. And I forgive myself for letting it happen. He was in shock. You know, you could just feel his, his whole spirit go because he was carrying that around. And I'm like, wow, you know, I just, I just blessed him and didn't even know it. So a lot of times we hold ourselves to a high standard, which is fantastic. But then we beat ourselves up if we don't think that we've achieved what it is that we think we should have achieved. Not knowing that when we make a mistake, it's not failure. We're in process. We're learning to so just learn what not to do next time. We beat ourselves up too much. So we have to forgive ourselves for what we've experienced. And then sometimes, and most times, often our parents, because they only reared us, you know, in the manner that they knew best at that time. It may not have always been fantastic. I remember my dad was talking to this guy the other day and he shared something with him that he hadn't shared with me. I'm like, my gosh, I didn't know that. <laughs> you know, so there are different many layers to your parents, too, that you may not even know. You know, so forgiveness is huge. Forgiveness for me has been a major one. Yolanda Van Zandt has a book, 21 Days of Forgiveness, How to Forgive Everyone for Everything or something like that. I don't think I realized how much unforgiveness I was actually holding. Sometimes you don't realize all those things that are in the background. Forgiveness of self, that's the doozy. That's the big one. My therapist said, like, we are the only species on earth that makes mistakes and continues to punish ourselves repeatedly for those mistakes. Absolutely. Even in our thoughts, even if it's not, you know, some people, yeah, go to the extent of like 
physical self-harm, you know, that type of stuff. But even just mentally beating yourself up, calling yourself names or saying you were ridiculous for that or, you know, whatever. And we replay those things over and over and over. And then when something else happens, we do it again over and over and over. And then eventually you find yourself in a space where you're just like, like we said earlier, this is my life. This is how things go. I'm this, I'm that. And it's just like, this is the most unproductive way to move through life. (laughs) It is. And so important to have that support system. I remember years ago, I read The Secret by Rhonda Byrne. It talks about the law of attraction. So trying to make sure that you're in a space and you're highly vibrational so that great things happen to you. And I shared that with one of my other good friends. I was having a day and I was just going negative Nelly, just da, 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 da. And she said, Candace. I said, yes. She said, you're doing it again. She said, do you need to reread The Secret? Do you need to watch the video again? I said, okay, okay. I said, I will. I said, thank you for calling me out because, you know, you can go down that. She wouldn't allow me to stay in that space. She's like, okay, like she heard me. Okay, now let's go. Let's change it. So I'm I'm thankful for that. So having that support system, your girlfriends, whoever, your guy friends, whoever's going to, then you have to say, shake you in a positive way, you know, to say, hey, okay, mm -mm, we don't do that. That's not us. That's not you. So I was so thankful for her. That was, that's when you know who your true friends are. You know, they're going to tell you the good, the bad, and the ugly, and you're going to uh, hear it and acknowledge it and then make a choice. You know, life is about choices. You can choose to stay positive. You can choose to be in the negative space. I choose to go away from people who stay in that negative space and that low vibration. It doesn't lift my spirit or my soul. I mean, I had a few people disconnect with me and I had to respect their decision, but I think it gave me the freedom to realize that way. I have the power and authority to disconnect from people as well if I so choose. I think for part of it was being a military kid and moving around every few years. It wasn't until literally I became an adult that I was in a place for an extended period of time. And so I'm like, oh, I want to hang on to my friendships. I want to, you know, hang on to my people, not realizing that some people just didn't mean well for me. Because like I, I say all the time, some people approach you wanting to come to a solution and other people approach you wanting to fight. Yes, being a part of the solution, you're part of the problem, right? Absolutely, because I feel like when you want a solution, you come to it open-minded, you come to it choosing your words wisely. And when you want to fight, you want to hurt the other person, right? Like you just bump a solution. It's just like, you know what? I'm about to tell you about yourself and you gonna listen because I'm right. And so for me, I'm like, that to me is like the ultimate dream killer. You know, somebody who feels the need to constantly tell you about yourself. It's like, excuse me, we all have our journeys and I want you to start with yours while I'm over here working on mine. Exactly. He is without sin, you know, throw the first stone. Anybody is telling me what it is that I need to do. When anybody says you need to do that, I tone out. I'm gone. Like, oh, you're perfect. So you're going to tell me what I need to do. A lot of us don't even realize the dysfunctionality that we allow in our space and in our environment, because like you said, sometimes they're the people closest to us. How do you heal yourself after years or potentially a lifetime of being in community with people that have been killing your dreams? As I said before, just recognizing it. I do a lot of prayer on it to see what my next steps should be. Fortunately, I I have this therapy that helps people who have come to that realization and are ready to make a change. And you have many people on your side. So supportive family and friends, therapists and counselors, clergy, however that goes for you, spiritual advisor, whoever you see. I think it's important to have more than one because you can't put all your hopes and dreams or share all that also with just one person because good Lord, if that one person gives you a negative response, then you you could be done. So 
making sure you do your research and find, you know, what's out there because there are so many, so many avenues to explore and ask. We have Google. I remember my daughter would come to me about, my daughters would come to me about stuff. I'm like, did you Google it? I had to look things up in the encyclopedia. I didn't have, you know, the internet at my fingertips where I could just type in, you know, a word or a phrase and all this information comes up. I'm like, you know, like I have, you know, billions of books, you know, stored in my head. And I was like, I could just plug them out. Yeah, yep, 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 yep. No, no, no. So just those many facets, you know, just just making sure that you are covering all bases and being willing to learn instead of seeing it as a failure, seeing it as a, as a learning experience, because life is so wonderful. You can have the best day ever, every day. Ooh, yes, Lord. Being out here in these international streets, that is the number one thing I have had to sit with is getting comfortable being uncomfortable, right? Being in new spaces, being around new cultures, different food, just different ways of going through your day and moving about and just being always on the go. I'm like, who Lord, help me. Just help me. If I could just stay centered, just please. (laughs) I am so, so, so grateful that you could come on to the podcast. Are you currently accepting patients? And if so, how would somebody get in touch with you? Like, is it only those based in the Atlanta metro area? Are you doing virtual services? Well, the wonderful thing about this therapy is that you don't have to be in Georgia. I have colleagues that I work with and co-manage that are throughout the nation. So if you're in Germany or Asia at this time, I won't be able to help you, but I'm working on it. You can text the word FOCUS to 21000, that's F-O-C-U-S, to 21000, and it'll pull up my digital business card. I offer complimentary clarity calls so we can get to the root of what's going on and I can determine if you are a candidate for this therapy. And then we can um, go to next steps at that point. I love it. And are you active on social? Like, can people find you on the interwebs in that way? Yes, I'm on Facebook, Brain Core of Duluth. I am on Instagram at Brain Core of Duluth. And Core is like a core of an apple. So uh, Brain, C-O-R-E of Duluth is D-U-L-U-T-H. And I'm also on LinkedIn. So you should be able to find me on those. I am so grateful. I appreciate you, Dr. Holmes. Hopefully we can do this again. Absolutely. I'd love that. Thank you. Before we close out, I just want to say once again, thank you, Dr. Holmes. I am so grateful, y'all, when I just stumble and bump into women who are just amazing and dope and put greatness on you without even really knowing you that well. Listen, when I tell y'all, Dr. Holmes put the spirit of a book on my spirit, y'all, and I'm still processing because I'm like, oh, okay, sis, you just want me to write a book. Got it. That's what you need. You need people in your corner who are going to gas you up, who are going to help you see higher in yourself and then give you, you know, encouraging words to believe that you can do it. So I appreciate Dr. Holmes for being now in my circle, in my network of people. And I appreciate everything that she shared with us today. If neurofeedback or uh, any of the services or anything that we talked about today resonates with you and sounds like something that makes you want to get in touch with Dr. Holmes, by all means, check out the description for the best ways to get in touch with her, to connect with her on social, her website, etc., all of the above. I appreciate you as always for listening. Until next time, this is She Looks Like Me. Bye.